This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. I want you to, to look at Colossians 4.2. I'm going to need some help with the readers, if I may. Luke, you want to grab a mic, if you don't mind? And uh, Dion, you want to grab one too, buddy? It's powerful, Luke. Wow. Luke, I want you to read Colossians 4.2. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. That's good. All right. Now, here again we see we ended here that Paul is instructing the Colossian church to pray in a continual, steadfast nature. Last week, we discussed how that must exceed the bounds of verbalizing prayer, oral prayer. You cannot pray continually if it merely depends on speaking. But the heart speaks more loudly than the mouth when you are in the depths of prayer. And that is what the Lord is looking for, this great heart connection. It is absolutely I should say, finding union with Jesus on this level is much greater than any ministry endeavor you could ever perform. Because if you find communion at this level, God will make sure that he does more through you than you could have ever dreamt. So this is the beauty of the life of intimacy. And Paul calls the, the Colossians to a life of continual, steadfast prayer. If you don't know how to get there, I touched on it last week actually did more than touch on it, spent the whole service uh, on it. You can go back and listen to the levels of prayer, the life of prayer, the places in prayer. It's modeled in the tabernacle, but it's, modern, it's modeled in many places throughout the scripture. And if the church could get this, my word, would it solve a lot of problems? A lot of problems. All right. I do want to touch right now on the asking aspect of prayer, because it is important. The verbalizing of our request to the Lord is important. Uh, the question is, when do I release, according to the scriptures, what I need as I speak? When should I do that? When is it most beneficial? And when do I have the greatest opportunity for actually getting an answer to the prayer? I don't know about you, but uh, it's very important to me that if I'm going to ask, that I trust the Lord to actually accomplish it. If you're not, then religion is probably setting it. Think about it. We ask for stuff uh, that we're not expecting God to actually come through on, so it bids the question, why ask? Do we think we're pleasing the Lord with mere repetition? Huh, it could be. Uh, why would the Lord ask us to ask? Is there something greater than the asking? Of course, it's being with him. I always say that. It's the, the dialogue itself is more important than the detail of the dialogue, right? The relationship itself, the nearness is more important. 
than what I'm asking for. Nonetheless, the Lord says, ask. That's where I want to go today. All right. James uh, chapter 4, verse 2. Can you read that, Dion? One second. Holy Spirit, flood this moment with your power and your anointing and let your word come forth like a hammer that breaks the rocks of our hearts and let a fire rest upon your word this morning. Let us never be the same. We receive your word humbly. And Lord, thank you for the honor of teaching your word that that I don't take lightly. Thank you for the privilege. Amen. Go ahead there, Dion. It says, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Stop there. So much of what we whine about would be fixed if we asked the Lord about it. What we usually do is make him like stop eight. And that we talk to everybody else. We need counseling. We need to process. I'm not saying that's not healthy. It is. Jesse and I have counselors. Not because we have a problem. It's because we don't want to have problems. Amen? So that's not the point. But the point is, I think the Lord really wants to be number one on our stop. Number one on our list. What we end up doing is processing for two weeks, creating a bigger issue than we need to have. And the whole time the Lord says, I wish you'd ask for me, maybe I'd give you the breakthrough. I want you to think about that for a moment. What's your default mechanism, your default process when you need a breakthrough? I'm not asking you to tell me what you ask for or whether or not you eventually ask the Lord. I just want to know when you ask the Lord and where he is on your list of talking about the issue. And this is where we get in to the proverb that says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Because the person who asks the Lord first is expressing something to the Lord Jesus. Is he expressing faith? Of course. But he's also expressing love. She's expressing love. I come to you first. First matters. So James here says, uh, read that again there, Dion. You lust and do not have. You murder and... Okay, what's he saying? You, you want stuff and you don't have it. Keep going. You covet and cannot obtain. Yeah, you want other people's stuff too and you don't get it. You fight in war. Mm-hmm, you keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. He's saying you're doing all types of stuff. You'll go to war with a brother or sister because you want what they have and what you don't realize is what you want, they can't give you. You know how many people I've said, can't you just give me a shot? Can't you give me favor in this way? No, really. Why aren't I on the platform more? How come I haven't been invited? What, what, this, that? They're asking questions I never asked coming up, except for when I was younger in the Lord. And the, there were seasons where there was insecurity. I remember Jess's dad would have people, and I'd go, when will he ever see what Jess and I are burning for? I'm just being real with you. But the Lord corrected me. So much of what we want somebody to give us, they can't give you. 
So would it be a great opportunity for you to get up on this platform with no anointing? No, it'd be a death sentence because everyone's going to see it. People are watching all over the world. Uh, we're watching. The angels are watching. The cloud of witnesses in watch- are watching. Imagine Catherine and Amy going, you don't got it. Sit them down. No, I'm joking. But, but the point is that the point is this: the opportunity, the opportunity will crush you if promotion doesn't come from above. I've seen it happen a lot. All Christians have authority, of course, but not all Christians are ready for leadership. <laughs> None of us are, I mean, Samuel poured oil on David. And David had to go through a process and live in the caves. Hmm? Elisha washed Elijah's hands, was absolutely the next in line to carry a double portion of the anointing. And he serves Elijah for almost eight years, some say. That's about the number people land on. How about Joshua? You think if Moses brings you close, you're, 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 I mean, out of three million people, you're doing pretty good. If you get to hang out with Moses nonstop, you actually get to go to the base of the mountain while Moses has been caught up in a cloud. 40 years God preps Joshua. How about Moses? Prince of Egypt. Egypt's not like Apopka <laughs> or Altamont. This is the greatest empire on the planet. And he's the prince of the empire raised by the daughter of Pharaoh. And the scripture says in the, in the book of Hebrews that Moses chooses the sufferings of Christ, therefore he beheld the Lord Jesus. He spoke of him and prophesied him above the riches and wealth of Egypt, above the favor of Egypt. So Moses here is a, processed by God by serving his father-in-law. For how long? 40 years. 40 years. One of the reasons we don't see true oil on people is because we've put the fast track to the ways of God. We think God is going to adapt to the culture. It's hilarious. God's not going to adapt to anyone. As Joy Dawson used to say, God doesn't change the rules for anybody. God is after raising up people that he can know and trust. That takes time. That takes being in the situation, being found faithful, falling, getting back up again, going low, repenting, asking the Lord for forgiveness. That's what it takes. You know, my, my son's had some close calls in some big golf tournaments. And uh, close calls, meaning he could have easily won them, played in the final group, big deal. It's a big deal with ranked players, nationally ranked players. And I know as a dad, I can't just lay hands on him and tell him to go win. I wish I could. (laughs) Trust me, I've tried it. And the reason I know is because I've tried it. It hasn't worked. I can't say, take my golf anointing. But what I've learned is by him being in those circumstances, you have to learn how to win. 
It crafts character in you. You learn the art of winning. You learn the art of supposed failing. You never really fail if your heart's right, by the way. That takes time. You have to be processed through the actual life, through the full breadth of that season. Are you tracking with me? So here, James is saying, man, there's so much you want. You want it so bad, you're willing to fight with your brother and sister to get it. And you're so into the war, you're so competitive. Don't you realize you're so competitive you forgot to ask? And the way the guy or girl got what you want is because they asked and were found faithful to possess it. That's what James is doing there. Saying you covet, you're jealous, you'll go to war, you're divisive. And then he ends it with this. You have not because you ask not. I've had the Lord correct me on that so many times. I'll find myself one week into getting counsel, one week into drama, one week into processing. When Jess is in the flesh, she could be like, like her superpower as an avenger would be processing. <laughs> and now I have this new thing, I go, baby, you're looping. That means we went around this thing before. And I do the same thing. We all do that when we don't talk to the Lord. No, really, when you go to people and forget about going to the Lord, it is to assume that the person will bring you what you need rather than the Lord. Now, we should go to people, but again, it's the order issue. As a man thinketh, how he thinks, how she thinks. Go to Jesus first. I'll never forget Bill Johnson telling me, and the advice I'm about to give you, I'm telling you, this will change your life. And this isn't some sales pitch. But this is what Bill told me to do when I'm having a rough go. Which, if you want to have many rough goes per week, plant a church. <laughs> it's amazing. And then televise or put it online. <laughs> you could read John 3.16 and people would go, you got that wrong. I'm like, okay, try and... Bill said this, when you're having a rough go, go to the Psalms. This is a tip he gave me. And just start reading them. Until the Lord highlights a verse or a word or something, then stop. Then make that Psalm your own. How do I make it my own? By praying it, by meditating on it. He said this, here's what I want you to do. Snapshot the Psalm on your iPhone snapshot it on your, on your iPad, make it your screensaver, write it down, put it up on your mirror, put a stick of note in your car, get it before you nonstop until that thing is so soaked in prayer, that passes, that you've ingested it and it's become part of your DNA. All right, so the first time Bill told me to do that, I thought, hmm, that's a long book. I'm not starting in Psalm chapter one. <laughs> I said, Lord, what if you're like at the very end of the book of Psalms? This could take a long time. So I negotiated with the Lord and started in Psalm 91. I figured it was a safe place to go. 
<laughs> it's funny. And then I, nothing really happened. Psalm 91, I'm sitting there reading. Hours go by. And I get to Psalm 105. And boom, something hits me. It was the first time I experienced it. I want to read it to you. Is this all right? Yes. You're getting wet. I'm, I'm telling you, this changed my life and it gave me weaponry to use until the day I go home. Because one thing you're going to have to learn to do as God starts to use you, your, your, uh, unfortunately, if you look at the uh, pattern of the Lord Jesus, he didn't have more uh, people in his life he could trust as the cross approached and as he was crucified. That's just the reality of, of what we do, of what you all called to. Yeah, as you know, Jesus' ministry is, is flooded with crowds, but when Golgotha approaches, there's a few. So one thing you need to learn to do is strengthen yourself in the Lord, as David did. When David loses everything at Ziglag, the scripture teaches that he wrapped himself in the ephod. In other words, that speaks of the agreement of prayer. He would have bowed his head, wrapped himself in the ephod. The Lord speaks to him and he recovers double. There will be times in life, look, these men that he pastored wanted to kill him. Their wives were taken, their riches were taken, and they wanted to kill David. Imagine wanting to kill David. David's mighty men were culture's rejects, by the way. He took criminals and turned them into servants of God. They don't get what they want one time. Now, granted, it was a pretty big blow. They lost everything in their families. I'm not saying. Now they want to kill David. So David doesn't know what to do. He wraps himself in the ephod. He begins to pray. The Lord speaks to him. He recovers double. This is what it looks like to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And that's what I want to show you. It's regarding Joseph. In verse 17 of Psalm 105. And this is, so I read all the way through Psalm 91 and the following Psalms, and somehow, finally, I read this, verse 17. He sent a man before them, Joseph, them being Israel, who was, his brothers, the tribes of Israel, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons, listen, until the time that his word came to pass the word of the Lord tested him. Another version says, until the dreams of Joseph were fulfilled, the Lord tested his character. That liberated me. That verse. Because then it was no longer about anyone else but me. You understand? And that's a healthy place to arrive. It doesn't mean you should be so introspective that you're hard on yourself. But if you do you well, there's not a whole lot anybody can do to uproot your destiny. In fact, nobody, nobody can uproot what God has ordained over your life. Nobody can cause you 
to miss out on God unless you partner with the devil. In fact, if you are stewarding your own heart well before the Lord, any attempt by any demonic strategy to destroy you will only increase what God has called you to walk in. And it's that old saying, your sin against me doesn't have to become sin within me. So here, Joseph, the psalmist says of Joseph, they bound him, they put his neck in an iron collar, bound his feet and hands with fetters, and the Lord tested his character. The word of the Lord tested him until the word of the Lord was fulfilled or until what the Lord showed Joseph in a dream would be fulfilled. So I have news for you. If you're humble, if you're following the scriptures, if you're reading the word, if you're before the Lord, if you love his people and you're going through a, a, a difficulty or a painful time, this might sound crazy. Thank the Lord for the honor. And trust him in that moment. For me, it came down to this. Oh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing, Lord. Right now, what is it? May the 26th, or March the 26th, 2023. On March the 26th, 2023, God, you're doing a work in me that's prepping me for that building being done. This is how it relates to me personally. Because I know when that building is complete, I, I believe what my father-in-law said, a glory is going to be released. Something We're going to walk into a possession as a church family that the Lord needs to, he needs to work out character in me to be able to handle that. And I'm okay with that. I can trust his hand. And so can you. Amen? Does that make sense? So asking, praying the scriptures is vital. And if you don't, you will covet. Never assume that somebody can anoint you other than Jesus. Never step into entitlement where you begin to believe that somebody owes you something in the spirit. Don't you dare. I don't care if you've served a place forever. Don't you dare think for a moment a few things. Number one, that you bring the glory, that you're the presence carrier, that you're the gifted one, that you're the anointed one. Don't fall into that trap. The body of Christ was around long before us. The body of Christ will be around long after us. It's the Lord's work. How, someone, someone enjoyed that part. Don't go there. I see so many people go there and they never step into their destiny. Now, they might step into counterfeit versions of it, but anyone with a spiritual sense of any type of discernment goes, that smells way different. You know, that's why it's so powerful to send these missionaries off is because they can't go like this. They can't anoint them. They cannot send themselves. They cannot commission themselves. And neither can we. And Jesus understood this. Of course he did. Don't you remember the centurion? I'm a man of authority. I get this because I'm under authority. 
It's the way the whole thing works. It's what this generation needs to discover. They're so wanting to be liberated from what? I don't know. They just want to be liberated and then they become slaves of their quest for liberation and never actually step into freedom. It's quite safe to be covered and submitted to. You, You follow me? It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to not fight with your own weapons. It's great to have people around you and then you get this, 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 this uh, exponential amount of support and weaponry in the spirit. You want that. You want that. So that's what Joseph walked through. And that's what James is talking about. He's like, hey, you're wasting your time going at it with each other. You have not because you ask not. You're not a person of prayer. Therefore, you don't have it. Amen? All right, Acts 2.42. Is this okay today? Uh, Read this, um, Luke, Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Okay, (laughs) that's so powerful. They, the the early church, this is speaking of post-Pentecost, post-outpouring, post-harvest, because uh, Pentecost is connected to the Feast of Harvests. So anytime you see an outpouring of the Spirit, the Lord begins to harvest his people, bring them to himself. Okay? Now, the scripture here tells us what they did. They committed to, they they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What is the apostles' doctrine? The gospel. Who the Lord Jesus is. They would have connected that to Old Testament scripture. They would have never called it Old Testament scripture. It would have just been called the scriptures back then. Fellowship, that means you need people if you want to live a life of prayer. You need people. Listen to me. In our secret place language, we all often lose the value for fellowship as the body of Christ. It's okay to take communion alone. You should, I do. But do not forsake receiving the body and blood of Jesus with people. That's the point. It is the the body, the broken body of the Lord, one loaf that becomes many pieces, taking our many members and making us one. Huh? You understand? So they committed to fellowship, the breaking of bread. I believe that speaks to the Eucharist, to communion. And lastly, this is what I want to get to, continually to prayer or end in prayers. One version actually reads, they continued in the prayers. All right, now. This is one of the great secrets to asking. The prayers. Why would one version actually refer to prayers there as the prayers, a specific group? If you look at ancient church history and ancient church liturgy, you'll discover that the Psalms are preeminent in the worship experience. Just read back through some of them. Read back through some of like the ancient manuscripts of the early church and how they worship. The Psalms are from beginning to end. They are lathered with the Psalms. Why? The early church was not too great 
or too prideful to pray prayers that had already been prayed. Mm. They were okay praying the Psalms. And I think we should be too. What does this have to do with asking? Well, one thing's for sure. I know the Psalms are the will of God. And Jesus made a promise that if we ask anything according to his will, it shall be done. What does he say in the Gospel of John? If my words abide in you, right, and you abide in me, you shall ask and you shall receive. He actually says, whatever you ask for, you shall receive. Now that freaks a lot of people out. Well, what, what if I just ask for a bigger house or a Ferrari? If you're asking Ferrari for a Ferrari in prayer when you could be asking for the beauty of his face, it's just proof that his words don't abide in you and you don't abide in him. How am I ensured to pray according to his will? To know it. His words have to live in me. I have to open the scriptures and read them until they are part of me. I also need to be found in him. That means his presence cannot be a side issue. His words in me, me in him, that's the abiding life, John 15. And if I live that life, listen carefully, my desires are pastored by the Lord. Or crucified. <laughs> Another way to say that. Or <laughs> murdered. <laughs> Rearranged. So somebody who's filled with the word of God and somebody who is living in the presence of God is not going to ask for dumb stuff. When someone goes around, I've heard people actually say this, I have an anointing to get people Ferraris. I'm like, dude. Then I needed deliverance or sozo after I heard that. I was like, I have my limits. I'm discovering them. It's insulting to the Lord to even talk like that. How does that even happen? How do you spend most of your prayer time asking for bigger wheels, a nicer bass boat, which I think the Lord's just fine with? How do you spend your time focused on material things as the preeminent overarching messaging of your prayer life? It's just proof that you are not filled with the scriptures and you're not living for his presence. Now, if you do one of the two, you can actually take the scriptures and weaponize them against people and use them to give you whatever you want. But you can't be about his presence also and use the scriptures to just get whatever you want. Some people will say, this verse says I can have that. Yeah, that verse does, but that chapter doesn't. And you would know that if you live for the presence of God. Does that make sense? From that place, you ask. And Jesus says, when you ask your father and receive, your father is glorified in heaven. So here we see the disciples in Acts 2 praying the prayers. 
the prayers of their fathers. And I want you to implement this as it pertains to that asking phase in prayer. Pray the scriptures. Huh? Pray the scriptures. When I'm having a rough go, this is what I do. I, I pray Psalm 91, Psalm 23. If it's really bad, I'll pray Psalm 22. <laughs> Psalm 27, whom shall I fear? The psalmist writes. Psalm 24, who shall ascend? Lord, clean my hands, purify my heart, free me from deceit. I want to ascend the hill of the Lord as a lifestyle. As I begin praying those things, those those scriptures, uh, if, if I want to connect with the Lord's pain over something, I'll pray Psalm 88. Darkness was my only friend. My acquaintances are far from me. Speaking of his arrest and his time in the dungeon at Caiaphas' house. It's a, so, so take the scriptures. If it's healing you need, pray the scriptures. Is this landing? If you need healing in your body, take the scriptures and begin to pray the word of God. The Lord has promised, listen carefully, he has promised to answer our prayers when they are according to the will of God. Now, how do I know not to pray one psalm and to pray another? By being in his presence. Hmm? So like I could pray, I could pray a scripture technically about stoning somebody. How do I know not to do that? By knowing Jesus and understanding his word. It's always going to come down to that. All right. Last, last verse on this and then, then we'll pray. I didn't get to the Lazarus. Palm Sunday, but we'll, we'll get into that. Acts chapter 6. Actually, I want to I wanna read this one. Oh, these Greeks, there's something else. All right. Acts 6, verse 1. Is it up behind me? Yep, there it is. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. In other words, these widows needed help. They, uh, the Hellenists felt that uh, their widows were not being taken care of like the Hebrews were. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable, listen to this, that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. You couldn't even be a waiter or an usher in the early church if you were not filled with the Spirit and had wisdom. I have a feeling their ushers would have destroyed our preachers today. You couldn't even serve food if you weren't filled with the Spirit and with wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. But listen listen what the apostles say. But we 
we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, here's what I'd like to ask you. When you dream up the perfect pastor, this isn't about me. This is about a shift in the church, a culture shift, a, a pressure shift, an unrealistic expectation shift. When you dream up the perfect pastor, what comes to mind? He calls me once a week, shakes my hand at the door, makes sure I have a name tag, won't look at the name tag, glances at it real quick, looks me in the eye, calls me my name, makes me think he actually remembered my name, but he's looking at the name tag. Shows up to my kid's wrestling match. He, he's always just there. He's just always there for me. If I need something, he makes it happen. He's my counselor. He marries my family. He does funerals. He dedicates babies. He's constantly on call. No matter when I need him or where I need him, he must be there just for me. He'll stack chairs in the church, pray with the team before, pray with the team after, Serve food and clean it up, and if he doesn't, he's prideful. Now, what you want is your own personal assistant. What I submit to you today is, yeah, there's value in some of that stuff. But when we think of what we want most in a Christian leader, do we think he is a man of prayer? And he loves the word. I, I'm just telling you where I would land. I don't care if a dude ever shakes my hand. But if he breaks the bread of life and feeds in my heart the treasures of the kingdom, because when Jesus restored Peter, what did he say? Do you love me, Peter? How did he answer? Feed my sheep. Christian leadership, pastoral leadership, 101 is this. Be a person committed to Jesus. Break the bread of life. Love people the best you can. And trust the Lord to build them up. The apostles were given to prayer and the word. And such was the glory on them. Listen to this. Such was the glory and power on them that the church was afraid to sit with them. It's in your Bible. The Bible says there were such signs and wonders flowing through them that the church was afraid to sit with them at a meal. I've felt that on people before. I have. You go meet with Oral Roberts one time. See if you just kick your feet up on his couch and grab his remote. <laughs> what are you watching, Doc? You're not going to go to his fridge? I promise you. Anybody walk into Brother Yoon's house, going to grab his remote and just start chopping it up with him? No, these men walk in a measure of presence that is worthy of honor and respect. Prayer does that in a Christian leader. They should not exalt themselves. God will deal with that. God must deal with that. 
I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about what is most sacred when it comes to a church family. We must be people of the word. We must be people of prayer. Amen. To get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950-640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.